Good morning. Isn't it beautiful? Let's pray together. Father, you are faithful forever. You love us. You have not forgotten us. You're with us in the fire and the flood. No matter how we're feeling this morning, you know us. You are with us. You want to bless us. And maybe not in the way that we expect or even think we want, but you want to bless us with you, with who you are, with your love for us. You are with us in the fire and the flood. You are with us through the storm, through the struggle, and you're with us in the joy. So as we look into your word this morning, I pray that you would meet us where we need to be met, that you'd open our ears to hear, our eyes to see what you want to show us, and that you would prepare us to be the people you want us to be in the world that you love. We are your hands and feet. We are your temple going out into the world. So prepare us to be what you want us to be, to act the way you want us to act, to think the way you want us to think. And may people look at us and see something beautiful because you shine through. So, Lord, we ask big things because you're a big God. Please do all that in our hearts this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Many of you know, and I appreciate that you still love me in spite of this, that I am from the United States. And uh, I grew up in Michigan. Some of you probably are too, so uh, we, uh, we live with each other anyways. But one of the things that we did when I was growing up in our elementary schools at the beginning of the day was to say the Pledge of Allegiance. So we had an American flag in the corner of the room or somewhere, and we would stand at attention, put our hand over our heart, face the flag, and say the Pledge of Allegiance. This was a pledge of loyalty to the country, and the hand over the heart indicated sincerity of intention. So when Johnny went to his first day of school, and the kids stood up to say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, the teacher watched to make sure that the children were standing at attention, facing the flag with their hand over their heart, and they began the pledge. I won't recite it for you, but uh, I still know it because we said it every day. And so they started saying the Pledge of Allegiance, and the teacher noticed that Johnny did not have his hand over his heart, He handed his hand over the bottom backside. This is offensive to her. She stopped the pledge and she said, Johnny, we're not going to continue until you put your hand over your heart. But it is over my heart. And she couldn't convince him. And finally she asked, why do you think that's your heart? And she said, whenever Granny visits, she picks me up, she pats me here, and she says, bless your heart. And granny doesn't lie. We're talking about blessed to be a blessing. 
And just like Johnny didn't quite seem to understand what Granny meant when she said, bless your little heart. We've noticed in our study of Mark, we've noticed last week in our, the beginning of this uh, little series of uh, tracing this theme, that people don't really seem, there's something about the blessing that we don't understand, that we miss as humans. Human beings in general, down through history, seem to miss something about what it means to be blessed by God. I think Johnny did understand something very profound, and that was that bless meant something deep to him because it was attached to a person, a person who loved him, a person who he trusted, a person who influenced and affected his thoughts and his actions, as we saw in the Pledge of Allegiance. Last week, we saw that God blessed the animals and the first humans with the ability to give and sustain life, to fill the space that he had created boundaries for in his creative acts. And he further blessed the humans with the ability to rule. He wanted them to make sure that creation that he created continued to experience the blessing that God wanted them to experience. But the humans, they somehow misunderstood. They misunderstood what the blessing was, and they reached out to try to grab what God said wouldn't be good for them. What God said not to take, they thought God was holding out, and so they wanted to take the blessing on their own terms rather than trusting God's blessing that was so abundant. And instead of finding a better blessing, they were now under a curse. Their mistrust and their disobedience, it banished them from the garden. They began to turn on each other. There was jealousy, murder, corruption, wickedness, destruction. All these things began to dominate the human story as we continue reading through Genesis. And yet God doesn't give up. He continues to pursue humans. He has a plan. And we get a hint of that plan in Genesis 3, 15. Right after they disobeyed, right after the curse, God said the serpent who had tempted the humans with the forbidden fruit would strike the heel of the offspring of the woman and the woman's offspring would crush the serpent's head. So who is this offspring? Well, we keep reading and it's not the sons that are that Adam and Eve had in Genesis chapter 4. It's not any of the children from Adam to Noah, as we keep reading in the story. And as humanity grows in number, they also become more and more violent and destructive. And in fact, in Genesis 6, verse 11, it says the earth was corrupt in God's sight. Now that word corrupt can also be translated as ruined or destroyed. So the story of the flood in Genesis 6 to 8 is more about cleansing than it is about destruction because they've already self-destructed. The important thing to notice, though, is that God does not give up on humans. He rescued Noah and his family. He, Noah saw God's, or God saw Noah's righteousness. He saw that he chose to trust God. Even when he told him to build a boat when there is no water in sight. 
God rescued Noah from the flood. He made a covenant with him. He partnered with him. Yet this pattern of mistrust, of trying to take blessing instead of trusting God for the blessing that he was providing, trusting ourselves that we know better rather than trusting that God knows best, the, this pattern continues. As Noah's descendants, Noah has more his children and their ch- children have children, and as the descendants, they choose to make a city. They choose to, to make a tower, to make a name for themselves. God told them to increase and multiply and spread over the earth. They chose to gather together and make a name for themselves. And so God scatters them. And so far in the story of humanity, God has shown grace over and over. He's pursued humans. He's poured out his blessing, yet people have mistrusted the blessing, and they've tried to grab it for themselves. They've tried to hold on to it, uh, they, they, what they think might be a better blessing. And it re- resulted in a curse and destruction rather than blessing. And God allowed them to experience the result of their rebellion. Yet he stepped in and he showed more grace. He showed blessing. He hasn't given up. So now the story has people scattered across the world and God zooms in or the story zooms in on one couple. God steps in again and this time he wants to appoint a couple to bless. So we get to Genesis 12 and I want to read the first few verses in Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through the beginning of 4. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. I don't know if you're counting or not, but in those three and a half verses, the word blessing or blessed shows up five times. New American Commentary author Kenneth Matthews describes these verses this way. It's an avalanche of blessing cascading in wave after wave on the patriarch and his children yet to come. I love that. An avalanche of blessing cascading in wave after wave. Alan Ross and John Oswalt, two uh, authors in the Cornerstone Biblical Commentary, they say, the themes of blessing and cursing that are highlighted here run through the entire book of Genesis. This passage forms the central episode of the book. Here God lays or begins his program to restore the blessing that was there in the beginning. Everything before this chapter lays down the need for blessing and everything following it traces its development in the faith and family of Abram. These verses are central to the story of the Bible. They're so important. And first God calls Abram to go. Notice that the blessing is attached to a command. It was that way with the first blessing. God blessed them and said, increase and multiply, fill the earth, rule over the earth. There was a command in the blessing. It wasn't a command to be dreaded. It wasn't a command that they weren't capable of. It was calling them into something bigger that God is a part of. 
God's blessing is partnering with humans. A relationship where he calls and when we follow, we'll experience his blessing. The blessing of being in relationship with the Almighty God and all that that entails. It wasn't easy though. It wasn't easy for Abram to go, to follow. But many, thing, many good things don't come from easy, as we know. There's an author, Mildred Witt-Struven, she says this, a clay pot sitting in the sun will always be a clay pot. It has to go through the white heat of a furnace to become a porcelain. It has to go through struggle, through tough times. We know that trees, if they grow with no adversity, the as soon as a wind, strong wind comes, it goes over. They have to grow through the wind, through the struggle, through storms to get strong enough to handle the wind. God called Abram to leave his country, his people, his family, and these were really important to a nomad. There are security and support. And also notice that when God called him to go, he didn't say where he was going. Abram knew he had to leave, and he knew what he had to leave, but he didn't know where he was going. God just tells him to go, and as you obey, I'll tell you where. This is the same call that he calls you and I, that he calls people to today, to put our faith and hope in Jesus, to leave life as we know it, to follow him, and we don't even know exactly what that'll mean, what that life will look like. When we decide to follow Jesus, he doesn't give us all the details. We saw this in the beginning of our study in Mark several months ago when he called the first disciples, Simon and Andrew. He called them to come and follow, and that, that meant leaving their normal life, their occupation. And they obeyed, and they obeyed immediately, and they entered into this life full of twists and turns and surprises, but a life of blessing that they would never have changed, a life of blessing that transformed them into people that they never knew that they could be. Verse 4 tells us that Abram went. He didn't ask any questions. There was no hesitation. He trusted God, and he went. He put his faith in the God who promised him blessing, and he went as Yahweh told him to. So God told Abram to leave everything and go. This was Abram's part of this new relationship. Leave and go and follow me. One command. God's part was much more entailed. God promised a whole list of things that flows through verses two and three. He would make Abram into a great nation. Now, if we look at the second part of chapter, uh, verse 4 that we didn't read, we find out that Abram was 75 years old. And if we look back at the passage that comes right before chapter 12, the last part of chapter 11, we find out he's married to Sarai, and they have no children. So God promises Abram he would make him into a great nation. Now, I don't know exactly, we don't know what Abram was thinking. It doesn't tell us, but I can imagine and if I were there, I'd be thinking, okay, so he's going to make my kids have more kids, and they'll have more kids, and eventually the, my descendants will be big enough to be a nation. But wait a second, I don't have any kids. And I don't think I'm going to get any kids. How's this going to work? 
but he trusted God and he went. How often do we wonder, how's this going to work? And let that stop us from obeying. Abraham chose to trust the God of the possible, even when what he was asking seemed impossible. I'm sure he wondered, and it could have stopped him, this thought process, but he trusted anyway. And later in the story, in Genesis 15, verse 6, Abram's faith is noted this way. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. And in fact, Abram's faith was, was so uh, noted that later, in Romans, the apostle Paul writes this. He repeats it. He says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, in Romans 4, 3. God promises something unbelievable, that he would make Abram into a great nation without any real prospects of how he's going to do it. And Abram, Abram obeyed God. This is the kind of faith that God wants people to have. This is the kind of partnership he's looking for in his people. A kind where people trust his goodness. His ability to do what he promises even though it doesn't look possible to us. And he loves to bless people. He loves to pour out his blessing, the blessing of him. He next says that he'll bless Abram. And he says he'll make Abram's name great and that Abraham, Abram will be a blessing. Somehow, the name of Abram will be associated with blessing. Not only will Abram be blessed, but, but others who are associated with him will be blessed. Those who bless him will be blessed, and those who curse him will be cursed. Relationship with him entails blessing. Opposition towards him will be opposition to the opposer. And not only will people associated with him be blessed, it goes on, verse 3 says that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Somehow, Abram will, will be the vehicle through which all people will be blessed. God wants to bless all people. He wants all people to experience his blessing. And he's chosen to do it through this one man and this one woman that has this kind of faith to trust God and follow. Blessed to be a blessing. Abram was blessed. God chose to bless Abram, but not so he could keep the blessing to himself, not so that he could hold on to it or protect it or try to grab it for himself, but he blesses him so that he can enjoy the blessing and pass it on so that all people could be blessed. God shared his rule with humans so that we could participate in making sure that all of creation enjoy God's blessing. And the blessing may not be what we think it is, it's connection to and relationship with the blesser, the almighty creator who loves and is intimately involved with the people he created. Well, the story of Abram, as, as, his, as his story unfolds, we find out that his faith is not perfect. He lies about his, who his wife is to him instead of trusting that God will take care of that. He tries to take the blessing that, uh, that God had promised in his own way. So he reaches out and tries to grab it. He has uh, a child with a, 
a servant so that somehow his blessing could be passed on to one of his, one of his children. And so he doesn't trust God's way, but God does not give up on him. God is patient with him. He works on him. He works with him. And Abraham does demonstrate his faith. And God continued to partner with him. So zooming ahead, Abram's name is changed to Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah, and they have a child. And there's a test of faith over this child's life, and you can read about that in Genesis 22. But Abraham succeeds. He, he demonstrates faith again in the God of the possible, in impossible odds. And then Isaac gets married Sarah dies, Abraham dies, and the story, the story continues with Isaac. So let's zoom in on that first part of the story with Isaac, Genesis 26. Verse 1 tells us there's a famine in the land. So we pick it up in verse 2, and it says, The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. So there's a famine in the land, and going down to Egypt would be a place to get food. Don't go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and I will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations of earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. So Abraham is dead, but the blessing didn't die with him. God promised that, that Abram that he would bless him and his descendants, and so Abraham dies. The blessing is passed on to Isaac. The blessing will continue with Isaac. He will continue this to develop and grow this nation that he promised to Abraham and Sarah. Notice that it's a partnership that is so important to God. Verse 5 says, Because Abraham obeyed, God initiates, he wants his people to respond. His blessings flow and we respond and the blessings flow. We don't earn the blessing, the blessing comes. God calls, God acts, God pursues. Just being alive is actually being blessed. But to recognize his blessing, to experience it, and the joy of his presence his love, this requires a response of trust. When we respond in faith, when we trust that God is good, that he is able to do what he promises, he opens us up to his blessing and we, we recognize and experience it. This is the kind of partnership that God desires so much from his people, that we respond to his call with trust that he is good and able to do what he says. God called Abram to leave and he left. God called Isaac to stay and he stayed. And so God, God's blessing, his presence and his relationship flowed. Unfortunately, the descendants of Abraham and Isaac is not one of perfect faith, as we know. The next descendant, Jacob, is a deceiver. He's trying to manipulate and control things to do it his way. He's trying to reach out and take blessing instead of trusting the blessing that's promised. But in story after story of the development of the nation that God promised through Abraham and Isaac, the nation of Israel, God pursues, God enters in. 
God is there with the blessing of his relationship. And as the human side of this partnership fails again and again and again, the blessing meant to flow through his people is hindered. The people don't live up to their part. They try to grab onto the blessing instead of receiving it. They don't. They uh, try to hold onto it. They try to protect it. They try to claim it as their own instead of enjoying the abundant gift that he's giving and, and letting that flow through them. So, years down the road, a new offspring is born. A king unlike any other king, born in a stable, placed in a feeding trough, worshipped by angels and shepherds, feared by kings. God became human. Jesus, the Son of God, God the Son, he enters the scene. This is God's plan from the beginning because he knew that humans would not keep their side of the bargain. They would not fulfill their side. He knows how broken we are by the hurts that we've had done to us and the hurts that we've done to others by our sin, by our guilt, by our shame, by all our brokenness. God's plan was always to come. For Jesus, the, the God the Son, to become human, to grow up, to proclaim the kingdom, and then, remember Genesis 3.15. The offspring that, would, that the serpent would strike his heel, and in striking his heel, his head would be crushed by that offspring. Jesus was the offspring that the serpent struck the heel of. He did that by putting Jesus on the cross. So Jesus looked like he was going to be defeated, but the serpent was just striking his heel because in his death, he had victory. He rose on the third day and crushed the serpent's head. No more power did he have over humans because God rose victorious and he partnered with humans so intimately he became one of us. And now, if we choose to trust him and receive his blessing now, we become part of his victorious life. He gives us the Holy Spirit to live inside us, to dwell inside us. He partners that intimately with us. And he wants to cleanse us. He wants to transform us. And it's still a partnership. We still do play a part, even though he's done all the work for us. Philippians 2, 12 to 13 sums up the partnership. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Wait a second, I have to do that? No, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. We work with him in our sanctification. We trust, he blesses. We receive, he blesses. As it was from the beginning, the relationship, blessing is about relationship and about sharing that relationship, about trusting that it'll be enough, enjoying it, and being that blessing. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning? Is it time for you to admit that you need Jesus? Maybe you're here for the first time, maybe you've been here over and over again, and Jesus has been knocking at your heart's door saying, you need me. You need me. You can't do it alone. You're broken. You're struggling. 
I, I want to save you. Ask him to forgive you. Put your complete trust in him. Maybe you know him, but you're still trying to take the blessing on your terms rather than trusting him. Rather than receiving the blessing that he wants to give, you're trying to take it, trying to, you, you think you know best. He calls you to say yes, like Abram. And like Simon and Andrew, they, they, God called and they didn't know what that looked like exactly, but they chose to trust. And then they entered this life that they, they didn't know where it was going, but they trusted. Is there something you need to give up? Is there a step of faith that you need to take? And you just need to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you're struggling to share the blessing. This was a struggle for the Israelites throughout the story. They forgot that they weren't blessed uh, because they're better than other people or because they deserved it or because they earned it and they did everything right. That's not why they're blessed. They were blessed because God loves to bless and he wanted that blessing to be enjoyed and shared. How are you sharing the blessing? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? How will you say yes to Jesus? Let's pray. Father, your plan is not something we could dream up. It is far more amazing than we could ever really understand. And yet you give us enough to understand, to know you, to be in relationship with you. You long to bless us. You long to partner with us. You long for us to know you and your greatness and your beauty, your forgiveness. You long to make us whole. You don't shy away from taking us through struggle because you know that grows us, but you promise to be with us. Father, work in our hearts, each one of us individually, wherever we are, pray that we would know the blessing of Jesus, that we would know the beauty of relationship with you. Thank you for Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.